Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Money Mitch Effect. I'm your host, Mitch Michaels. As always, thank you for joining me on this sports podcast. We're into June. Still got some playoff hockey and basketball to break down. Got a couple of heavy hitters, big guests to do that for me. Joe Crisali joins the show. His Rangers are in the Final Four. We break down how they got past Carolina in dominant fashion in Game 7, setting up a matchup in the Eastern Conference Final with the two-time defending champs, Tampa Bay Lightning. And then the Western Conference Final, which is already off to a banger of a start. Colorado and Edmonton, McKinnon, McDavid, two best players in the game. Colorado wins Game 1, 8-6. We break all that down first. And then Brandon Marcus joins the show to preview NBA Finals. Boston Celtics taking on the Golden State Warriors, their sixth finals appearance in eight years. A lot to talk about on today's show with Joe Crisali and Brandon Marcus. My name is Mitch Michaels. Let's start the show. All right, everybody. Now joined to talk some hockey with uh, Joe Crisali. He's riding high. Uh, New York sports are killing it. Maybe riding a little too high, but the final four of the NHL playoffs are in conference final round. Joe, your Rangers are still in it. This has uh, got to be a memorable one for you. Yeah, man. I mean, if you told me at the beginning of the season that this team would be this good or this resilient, I guess I'll say, um, I would have told you you were a liar. But I don't know before the season started, when we do all of our predictions, I, I'm pretty sure I had them in the conference final. I mean, that's fan bias for sure. But the fact that it actually is happening right now is kind of insane. Being down 3-1 in that first series, I was just like, all right, well, it's a good season. And then they came back, and then down 2-0 against the Canes. It was kind of the same feeling. Um, but I'm stoked just to see them go this far. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, you got to go through the two-time reigning champs if you want to win. So that's where we're at. Well, look, uh, as someone that picked the other New York team to be this far, uh, I have to say that you are, uh, you are always upbeat about the Rangers, which is kind of interesting knowing you and knowing your fandom. It seems like the Rangers are, I don't know if they're, they might be your favorite sports team, but they're definitely the team that you're the most, seem to be the most positive about. Uh, and even you saying that, like you're shocked that they've gotten this far is crazy. But I will say, I mean, their resolve has been the key down three, one and then down Oh two in the series having to win two game sevens, this last one on the road, in a building that had not had a team win on the road all playoffs. And uh, they came alive. And it started from the beginning, and it started with that power play. You know, the two things that you ask for, you know, the the main thing you ask for in a big road game, like a road game seven, is your stars to show up. And it was Kreider, it was Fox, it was Abanajet, and it was guys blocking shots and a good Shesterkin performance. So it was was the stars that carried you is, is how it has to be, and it's what came through for the Rangers. Yeah, I mean, they're getting production from everybody all around, uh, especially in the playoffs. I think Zibanejad has, like, I want to say 16 points in the 14 games or the 18 or something like that. Um, Panarin stepped up. Kreider stepping up all year. Like you said, 52 goals. I mean, that kind of came out of nowhere. He's just been a 20-goal guy his whole career, and then he just steps up, and this is how he's been playing the whole season. Yeah. Um, Adam Fox, even though he didn't get tossed up for uh, for uh, that trophy, he's you know still one of the best, if not the best, defenseman in the in the league. Um, everybody's just been clicking. I mean, they've got and in the late season additions like Cop, um, you know, stepping up for them. They really this year, Chris Jury really built a team that um, can really fight. And that's yeah. been proven. Like Gallant, you know, he really brought that intensity and that and that fierceness in. I just loved watching that. Uh, I'm pretty sure game six, it might have even been game seven, Tony D'Angelo on the Hurricanes at the end of the game was just chirping on, on the uh, – It was six, yeah. On the – and Gallant is just, you know, screaming yeah. at him, like, get, get, shut your mouth and do all this. Like, that's <laughs> – Yeah. That's, you know, that's, that's a team that wants to win. These guys – they play for each other and it's awesome. I mean, Rangers generating five on five scoring chances has not been the best, but um, they've found ways to get the pucks in the net. And that was proven in that last game. They put six in on, on the hurricanes. And like you said, no wins in that building and they were able to do it. 
and it was also amazing to to do it against the Hurricanes for me, just because that team was stolen from my home state. So. Oh yeah, it's, they got that. You got right. the Hartford Whalers uh, revenge too. You know, it yeah. took you. It took you what twenty twenty six years or whatever it is, but we're finally here. Only yeah, only a few years. Only like almost my whole life. But um, you know, That's I'm funny. really I'm really enjoying this team. Um, they're fun to watch and. They, they just don't give up and that's really all you can ask for from from your guys and yeah. now we got to go in now the rangers got to go in and beat the two-time reigning champs one of the best goalies if not the best goalie in vasilevsky in the league but shesterkin's you know he's proven that he's right up there so yeah this is this is his time to shine it's his yeah time to keep that goalie I- matchup is going to be insane um hopefully there aren't any crazy jitters but I mean the Rangers. They've had they got the best of the Lightning in the regular season. They went three and zero against them. I think they only let in two goals. They got they shut them out and then they let in one. Um, but they can hang. The Rangers can hang with anybody, and I think that they have a good shot against this Lightning team. I would be shocked if this series didn't go seven. Um, well, I, I just want to also amazing. yeah, I just want to point out a few things. One being that. A little better goalie matchup than the Western Conference Final. I think we <laughs> yeah. can agree uh, with those ex-Coyote goalies in there. Uh, it was also good to see all the Ranger fans uh, in Carolina finally get their tickets, you know, finally get through the, the blockade that was put up and, uh, you know, the cheers in the first goal. You saw there was a lot of Ranger fans there. Uh, and, again, it was it was brutal. I mean, the Rangers were going to win that game, but Ranta, I think he pulled his groin on national television. That would be my guess when yeah. he got injured. Uh, and you know that that happened. It was unfortunate. It also did, though, give us one of the uh, more uh, I can't believe I have to play now reactions from Kachetkov on the bench. Yeah, he, was, <laughs> he came in and he was like, "Oh, really?" I mean, anybody would have trouble with that, though. Like, if you're on the bench and it's like a game Lucky seven too. and it's time to come in, like cold, like that's you know mid period, especially, it's pretty well, brutal. If you're a Hurricanes fan, how much are you thinking now about that Nadelkovich trade to yeah, Detroit? I know. I know, and that's why I like, look at some of the teams that maybe not this year, um, but in the past, like having that second goalie. I mean, honestly, like, you know, you, you kind of need to have a solid, capable backup, but I, I do also think, like, if you lose your starter, you're probably done. I mean, look what happened with the Blues in that Avalanche series. I mean, that all, that all shifted, too. But now, just to kind of get what you're saying, I mean, I, I understand the positivity going into this series with the Lightning, but I'm just throwing out that regular season because Florida had a good regular season against Tampa too. This is, I mean, they're dude, Joe, they're Champa Bay for a reason, and it's amazing how they just adapt to whatever the series and the circumstances dictate. There's absolutely no nerves on that Tampa Bay team, and they continually re reload and replenish their depth guys. Nick Paul with goals against Toronto in Game 7. Maroon scores another big goal. They've got guys contributing all around the lineup. And I love Shesterkin, I do, but Vasilevsky is the best goalie in the game. and He's quickly approaching one of the greats in the history of the game with another shutout in an elimination game. So I think this is going to be a, obviously, much different series. I think Tampa is, is going to probably miss. We'll see what happens with Braden Point. But this definitely feels... Low scoring, similar to the Rangers, Carolina one up until that last game, where I do think goals are going to be at a premium. Yeah, man, I'm with you there for sure. Um, but honestly, could we not have gotten a better series here? Like these two teams are. Well, the final four so, is like amazing if you think about it, it. Like it really is. These two teams are so evenly matched. Like you just go through goals for, they're close. Goals against, they're close. Assists close, shooting percentage close, power play percentage they're close, PKs close. The only thing that the Rangers have the edge on, which might play to their benefit, what I was talking about earlier, where they're an aggressive and they're a hard hitting team and they fight penalty minutes. Rangers thirteenth, Lightning thirty first. So yeah, and you got to stay out of the maybe. box against this team with obviously Kucherov, Stamkos, Hedman, you know, and if Braden points there, that power play is very lethal. It's starting to get better, and I think that's something that Gallant, and you know, obviously, I think he the way that the Rangers have got here by playing as tough as they have, but I think even he knows, like, look, we can't be playing on the edge too much because Tampa just makes you pay. I'm saying that too, but 
if that's what got you to where you are, you can't change that aspect of your game to try. Then you're, then you're just trying to play to the other team's strengths instead of playing to your own. So I think they just got to play their game. Like, you know, you obviously don't want them to get down early because if they go down 2-0 to the Lightning, if they go down 3-1 like they had the last two series, you know, it's yeah. going to be much tougher for them to get out of that hole. It would be much more insane if they do get out of that type of hole. Um, but you don't as you don't expect Vasilevsky to lose three straight games. That's the thing. Exactly. Yeah. Well, the thing is, he was da- was he not down three two in the series to the Maple Leafs? Yeah, and- that was a weird one where it went like back and forth basically every game. I think is that right? Like, yeah, there was never really like a. It was it was it was kind of crazy. And yeah, no, I he's not like no goalie is perfect, but but. You don't want to dig a hole against a team that knows, essentially, Joe knows how to close out series. That's what they've proven more than anything, is that when they get an elimination game, it's curtains a lot of times. And it's always hard to not think back to all of the previous um, series, big name series they played against the Lightning. Uh, obviously, 2015 comes to mind, but Rematch. we don't yeah. talk about that one. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but. You know, like we said before, if they want to win, you got to beat the best team. And if you want to be the best team, you got to beat the best team. And this is where they're at right now. It just sucks. Also, I say this all the time when we talk about the Rangers and the Lightning. It just sucks <laughs> we go. to have the, other, the guys that you like on your team on the other team. Ryan and I McDonough. Back, <laughs> Ryan McDonough. And, yeah, I always go back to that trade, man. Like McDonough and JT Miller. And you didn't get Sergachev. That's what we talked about then. You wanted Sergachev, and you didn't get him, and you know he would have obviously helped. How, yeah, how do you not get – so thank God Drury's in there. But um, it was really funny. It was really funny after they made – so they made that trade with the Jets for Cop, and I saw a uh, Rangers tweeted out that Cop, after they won the series against mm-hmm. the Hurricane, walked up to Brandon Drury and was like, sorry about your first – <laughs> Sorry about yeah, yeah cuz it's now first. Yeah, that's great. Uh I and the other thing with the Lightning too is that you know being as smart as they are, Corey Perry making like pretty much veteran minimum has been contributing to. It's another guy in that mix. I mean, you're going to you're going to have a fun series learning to hate Tampa like I learned too when Columbus played them two straight playoffs. So it's going to be fun. Um I'm going to make my prediction and say Lightning in 6 games though. No disrespect to your Rangers, but I just feel like they're on a Tampa's locked in and Six-game conference final for this team, based on where you were, I think you would have taken that in a second when we predicted this. Yeah, I. so it's hard for me to make this prediction because all season I pretty much was just like, all right, they're going to be they're gonna be good, but we'll see, we'll see what happens. And I even had a few friends. We were uh, out at this random cabin in the woods over the weekend for Memorial Day, and uh, they were like, oh, what uh, what do you think is going to happen with the Rangers? Do you think they're going to get through the Hurricanes? It was like right before Game 7. And I, I was like, honestly, I'd be shocked. Hurricanes haven't lost the game at home in the playoffs. And if they do get through them, they got to play the Lightning. So that, I don't know about my outlook with that. But like you said, it's just Rangers, including me, have been a little bit, I don't want to say more somber, but a little bit <laughs> less like expecting to win. But yeah. I got to pick my team. Okay. I'm saying seven, you know, right. I, I yeah. would be didn't go seven. seven okay. Games. Fair enough. And I think that, you know, like you said, you're just going to enjoy the ride at this point. Yeah. It's not like, <laughs> it's not like you and me are betting each other. Although no, we could. <laughs> no, I don't, I don't really, I would love to see the Rangers win. I'm just going on my, on my eye test here. And, and uh, yeah, I think this is a hell of a season regardless. I mean, I don't want it to be a sweep or anything like that, but like you got to the conference final, final four, like hell of a season for sure for a team that's ahead of schedule. Uh, can't wait for that. That's the Eastern Conference round. Uh, Joe Crisali here on the Money Mitch Effect. The Western Conference round started last night. Colorado and Edmonton, and what a ser- what a series start that was. If you like offense, if you like goals, this is the series for you. Goalies, not so much. But Joe, after last night's game. After last night's game where the Avalanche and uh, and Oilers came out of the gates, blazing 8-6 final, Colorado wins that game. Are you more locked into this series? Or are you just dying to see as many goals as possible? I think it's just going to be goal town USA. <laughs> yeah. I, and, yeah. And I had the Avs winning the cup. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's looking 
if if it's not the Rangers, it's going to be the end. But uh, I I wasn't necessarily expecting this high of goal scoring. But like you said, when you compare the goaltending the Eastern Conference to the Western Conference final, it's night and day. But um, I just think outside of like. McDavid, like obviously McD- that tweet you sent me was hilarious. So, yeah. <laughs> the Calgary sign-off broadcast, like you can accomplish anything you want, unless Connor McDavid also wants that. Yeah, thing. and after that was the team that they got knocked out of by the play. Like after McDavid had knocked out the Flames, it was even funnier. I, I think. Look, we got to talk about how the the misconception is, and Nathan McKinnon even said this in the pre pre series media scrum. They're not just a one man or two horse team. Like they do have some depth. Evander Kane is going to, he might finish with 20 goals this postseason. Like, it's just insane, his resurgence. And you have yeah. guys like Hyman's played better. I'm um, good, yeah. Nugent Hopkins is stepping up as well. Um, that said, though, and this isn't even a knock on the on the Oilers, the Avalanche have maybe the best depth in hockey. So I, I went into this, like, the, the only thing that surprised me about last night, other than maybe the exact total, was I kind of thought before this game that in, in the Calgary series especially – that if it's pond hockey, if it's run-and-gun hockey, Edmonton likes their chances against anybody, I think Colorado might be the team that could beat them there because their depth is unreal, and it actually starts on the back end. Kale McCarr had, what, four points last night? Yeah. Oh, he had three. Three. Okay. Three. So still, I mean, he was still just, like, starting all of it, and I think that I don't trust Edmonton to win this type of series without locking it up a little bit. I think Colorado's offense... Depth wise, you know, McDavid could have a monster series and he probably will. Dry looked amazing since getting banged up against the Kings, but I don't trust Edmonton to outscore Colorado in a best of seven series every night. Now, I mean, goaltending is another, you know, wild card in this with the amount of times we're going to see the starters pulled, which could happen every single game. But I don't know. I just think that with Colorado's depth up front and with some of their size, too, I think that that's going to be a, a tough task. But that that said, Joe, I mean, Edmonton had all the momentum in the third period and Colorado was hanging on. So I guess we got to see how game two shapes out. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> it's going to be a high-scoring series. Um, but I just want to, I want to give you some praise for having these. Uh, I'm pretty sure you had this matchup. You had Tampa Bay. You didn't have the Rangers. You had no. Colorado and Edmonton here in this Easter in the Western Final. Most of our, most of the things we said at the beginning of the season, whether we we actually believe them or not, they actually. Yeah, we we both went Colorado winning the. Uh, I I know I had the Islanders in there, but yeah, we were pretty good with our predictions. I was I whipped on the Islanders, but like to be fair, I did get a New York team in there. The, the combination of the entire team getting COVID and a 13-game road start to the season because the arena wasn't done, you know, and they finished strong, you know, they, they ended up being, I think, the ninth best team. There was a big gap in the who made the playoffs. But, yeah, it was a bad break, but way better than my previous Flyers or Vancouver picks for sure. The only I think the only one that kind of fell out for us, fell off for us was uh, Toronto. That's not Toronto. even falling out off though. I mean, they got they drew the worst first round matchup. Like, I think Toronto would have beaten Florida or the like, like Florida Capitals, like Bruins, like all those teams basically, you know. But Tampa Bay. But the uh, thing is, like I said, you got to beat. The mm-hmm, I know. Be the champs. So I just I'm, I and is what, that's where we're at now. Do you think Connor McDavid is the best athlete in sports right now? Because I would yeah. probably vote yes right now. Time being dominance. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't know who, <laughs> who rivals him. Even in, if you're thinking like baseball terms, I don't even. Trout. Know. I mean, Trout's Aaron been up there. <laughs> yeah, Aaron Judge. Okay, all right. Let's just calm down there, Aaron Judge. <laughs> the way he's playing right now, but I mean, yeah, Trout, Otani, like. Well, I bring that up because I think this series. I think Nathan McKinnon is probably the second best player in the NHL. If I had to pick, I'd say you know you could throw in like Matthews up there and, and some other names. I would say Drysaitel is probably is definitely top ten, probably in that you say seven to ten range. And we were talking defensemen as far as D men go in the league, and I know your guy Fox is up there. It's like there's a group of like four or five that separate themselves. McCarr is obviously in there. McCarr, Fox, Yossi, Hedman. I'm probably missing a few. 
But the point being that this series has some of the best talent in the league. And I know it's not, it's Western West Coast markets. It's players that a lot of people haven't seen on the East Coast because it's, you know, late start times. But this is great for the game because it is some of the best skill that the 2022 NHL has to offer. Yeah, and you love to see it. I mean, thank God the Kings didn't make it. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I think they're going to sign Philip Forsberg. That's my bold prediction for next year. Really? He's not coming back. Johnny Gaudreau's going to be on a new team. Uh, If it's the Flyers, I don't know. I I just, I don't think he's coming back to Calgary. He really irked me this year because two years in a row in fantasy, I took him. And last year, he was just so abysmal. And I was like, I'm not touching this guy. 40 goals. 40 goals. That whole line had 40. And then he comes back this year and does that. Yeah. But like that, that I mean, he's he's who what carried the flames. Like without him playing that well, they're not even a playoff team, and that was proven last year. So, um, but like, I don't know, man. I'm just stoked about this getting to the Rangers, yeah. getting to the conference final, so, and, and playing through all that. Oh yeah. Uh, down 3-1, down 2-0, beating the Penguins. If they lost to the Penguins. Man, I mean, that's the one, right? Like, even in the back of your mind, like, losing to Carolina, you still beat the Penguins. That's, that's like, the well, at least we beat those guys, you know? Like, once you won yeah. that Game 7 at home in OT, it was like, okay, this season can't be a, a complete disaster because we beat the Penguins. We ended yeah, Sidney Crosby's season. Everything, everything's, <laughs> everything's right in the world. Penguins took the L. So who you got in the Western Conference Final? Oh, definitely Colorado. How long? I want to say seven just because, I, I mean, it's probably going to go six or five or six. I would say maybe six, but I want to see a game seven in this one. Yeah, I would love to see seven, but I, I don't see it happening. I'm going to see six is probably probably the call. Yeah, this is probably the series that very well may kill Mike Smith. Like, I don't know if he can survive this one. Uh, that's That said, with all that's going on and, you know, all the skill, Kadri in his kitchen, you know. We'll see. I also think my other my other outside prediction would be maybe we might see a Duncan Keith match penalty. He might just snap and just just cross check someone in the face. Uh, maybe yeah. game six when they're down three zero. Yeah, could be. But look, the the best part about this is every matchup of a potential final would be sick, right? Like it would be like any combination of the four teams left in the final would be fun. I'm the I yeah I. I'm with you. Even Oilers Rangers, like Connor McDavid in Madison Square Garden? Let's go. Yeah, that would be kind of sick. But, I mean, Tampa Bay, Colorado's dope. Rangers, yeah. Colorado's dope. Rangers, I mean, any, any matchup we get is going to be fun hockey to watch. Obviously, I will be hoping that it's the Rangers. Oh, oh yeah, you will. Um, I also wanted to say one last hockey note before we move on to uh, – one last hockey note before we move on to just letting you talk a little baseball is uh, Marty St. Louis being the full-time Canadians yeah. coach. I was saying that's the yeah. silver lining of this uh, Lightning Rangers series is that the day of the first game they announced St. Louis is the head coach of the Canadians, which is a smart move by them. I mean, I know he, yeah, I, I know he didn't have a, I know he didn't have any coaching experience, but the team played hard under him. He deserves a chance here, and they all love him. Like Cole Caulfield said, I wear 26 because of this guy. Like, I think it's, you know, players well, coach is one thing, and I think they, they responded to him. That was the exact thing, was Caulfield, Cole Caulfield was having an abysmal season until they hired St. Louis because their comparisons, other than being righty-lefty, are, are yeah. like, right there. Yeah. You know, he's the same similar type of player. So um, it's the right move, I mean. St. Louis, I'm pretty sure he didn't have any coaching experience really before that, no. right? Pee Wee, yeah. his kid's team or something, but he, no, I, I, I think... Yeah, like, yeah, it didn't work out that way for me, unfortunately. Yeah. Hey, I'm trying, dude. I'm coaching yeah. Little League Baseball. We'll see what... Yeah. Maybe I'll be coaching the Yankees next year. Yeah, get the third base job. All right, that, that's a good segue, <laughs> Joe, for you because, I mean, with how the Yankees are doing, uh, do you want to offer a public apology to anyone, Aaron Boone, Aaron Judge, you know, anybody that you feel like you've been unfairly critical to because of how well the Yankees are doing now? You know, I really don't. No, not even Aaron Boone, huh? You've said some bad things about him. I still will because he's he's really, like, I don't want to say that he's getting lucky at this point, but, like, I don't know what's with the lineup changes every every single game. It's like, hey, you're batting third, you're batting first, you're batting fifth, you're batting fourth. Oh, Torres, you're batting eighth. Never mind, you're batting fourth. It's like 
put them in their spots. I get like it's hard to get into a flow. Like one, why is Judge ever going to bat leadoff? It's you're a, you're criticizing a, the best team in baseball right now. Just want to be clear, like that. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm I'm gonna, but I I was not expecting them to be this good at, to this point. But you know, it's a it's a good blend. They have a really good blend of old guys, young guys. Um, their pitching staff's been really good, thanks to Nestor Cortez. Like, I mean, Cole's been good too, not as good as usual. Severino's having a good season. Um, their bullpen has been shaky at times, but uh, those guys are on injury list now. So, I mean, that's kind of fine as it is. But um, they just they just have it. You know, they just feel like a team that has it this year. Not like necessarily they're definitely destined to win the World Series, but they're a team that other teams are going to have to go through if they want to win. And being the team with the best record in the entire league right now is, you know, it's nothing to scoff at. But And they're still doing it without some of their guys. I mean, Stan's been out for a week. Uh, they made that huge trade, not maybe not huge trade, but they made that trade with the Twins to get Ben Rortvet at catcher, and he hasn't even played yet, but... They made that separate trade um, to get Trevino from Texas, and he's been great. He homered last night. He had a dope slide uh, in home. Um, Rizzo is the man at first base. You just love that he scoops every single ball that's thrown over there. It doesn't matter how bad the throw is. Like You can just count on him over there to do well. I mean, he's only hitting like 214 right now, but he does the job. Um, yeah. And, I mean, Aaron Judge has been playing like an otherworldly – Looks pretty Play good. It looks pretty smart now not to accept the contract, I got to say, you know. I mean, well the thing is, you don't accept the contract like how much higher a salary do you think they're going to give you? We're going to find out, aren't we? <laughs> like we are going to find but, out. But if you're the, if you're the Yankees like at this point the team is playing this well, like I mean, you got to pay up. <laughs> but that's, that's what it seems like to me, but no, I I just if think you're trying to win if you if you if you think that this team is the team that's got a chance to win the series and is going to continue to play well, you got to pay up. Whether or not you feel it's the right thing, I don't think. I mean, I still am on the side of he does not deserve to be paid Mike Trout money or even higher than whatever else. But if that's what it comes down to, and that's what um, gets the team a, a World Series, like I don't write the check. Why do I care? Well, look, you're, uh, again, like we were talking with the Rangers, just enjoy being back to the top perch in baseball, at least for the time being. Unfortunately, the Astros have made a run, so we might see that series again in the playoffs. But this has been a good year for you. Uh, enjoy it. Enjoy the Rangers run. And, you know, if it go, if the Rangers, you know, hypothetically, if the Rangers go all the way, we can't have the Yankees win too. I'm just telling you right now. <laughs> <laughs> Why would that that would be unbearable for all fans outside of New York fans? Yeah, yeah it would be too much. Uh, and then watch the Broncos just have a great season too, and I'm just like, what is happening? <laughs> Which is also possible. I mean, man, you don't want to root for me to do well, geez. I want you to do well. Like, I want you to do moderately well. I want you to do. I want one team to do well. You know, you can pick which team that is. Rangers, sure. You know, but you can't have all three. Can't have a. Can't have. You know, then you become a Boston sports fan, and you know how that is. Don't even give me that Boston crap. That play has had all the championships lately. That's true. But, I mean, diehard sports fans out here, yeah, there are a few. <laughs> yeah. I would say so. So, all right, man. Joe Crisali, thanks for joining the show. We'll see how your Rangers do. Best of luck. Uh, eight wins. Eight wins from now, and you could be hoisting that trophy, and it could be a, a magical time. But either way, it's been a great run. Uh, best of luck to your Rangers. Thanks for coming on the show. Yeah, man, anytime. Huge thanks to Joe Crisali, as always, for appearing on today's Money Mitch Effect episode. We'll see if his Yankees do well, but first things foremost, the Rangers lightning starts tonight, followed by Avalanche and uh, Oilers tomorrow in Game 2. We'll see how the Oilers respond after losing Game 1, but hockey playoffs can't beat it, cannot beat it. Well... We'll turn our attention now to the hoops talk with Brandon Marcus as we preview the NBA Finals. The Celtics got past the Heat, a road game seven win for them. They're getting to their first final with this core, taking on a team with three rings who has six finals. Now it's their sixth finals appearance, the Golden State Warriors. Will Steph Curry, Klay Thompson, and Draymond Green get another ring? Or 
Is it Jason Tatum's time? Jalen Brown, this Celtics crew, are they ready to get to title town for the first time? Brandon Marcus breaks all that down now, talking the NBA Finals here on the Money Mitch Effect. All right, we're finally here. NBA Finals are on deck. Got Brandon Marcus back on the show. Brandon, thanks for joining the Money Mitch Effect. And uh, down to two. I'll admit it, not the two I thought would be here, but thanks for joining. Uh, I can't wait to break all this down. Hey, great to be back. And yeah, the NBA Finals with uh, the Warriors is something that we are used to during the KD times. But the uh, somehow Steve Kerr's done it again with them. And then obviously the Celtics have been the story of going from being out of the anybody's thinking in january to now being here it's cra- it's been a weird postseason a lot of injuries man it's been yeah. really unfortunate because if you had everybody healthy i think this postseason plays out a little differently yeah and i'm aware that that's part of the deal uh that's just how it works uh that said i'll, I'll say something nice and then say something critical i love weird in terms of results and unpredictability i think that's been great you know, I kind of love to see not going chalk all the time. Uh, that said, and I'm, I don't think I'm saying anything that's not obvious, uh, a lot of blowouts this year. And maybe it's injuries. Maybe it's, uh, you know, we can talk a different bunch of factors, teams making adjustments, just the reliance on three-point shooting. But you'd had seven, we, we were going to talk about one, a seven-game series where you can count on one what finger the number of close games. Yeah, it's been bad. It's been really bad. I know you and I were texting back and forth, and just, it. I mean, there was a point I think that it was. I mean, close to two thirds, maybe more than two thirds of the games were ten plus deficits, and for the losing team, it's it's bad. It's not enjoyable basketball, and a lot of it has to do with the three ball and how reliant some of these teams are on the three ball. And if they're hitting, then it's a close game, and if they're not, then say la vie. And it's been unfortunate to have to watch some of these games. I mean, you and I have been chatting about how the hockey's just a million times better than the NBA, and you know that I'm an NBA guy over hockey, but yeah. it's not even close. And you and I are recording this game right after an unbelievable game one between the Avs and Oilers, and it's just, it's wild, dude. It's it's unfortunate because if you look at the Bucks, Chris Middleton, if he was healthy, how would things pan out? If you look at up and down the roster, I mean, even the teams that are in it, you look at Boston, and you've had Smart and Robert Williams that have been hurt. Golden State had Gary Payton that uh, was hurt. It's just, mm-hmm. It's been weird. It's been really weird to watch this postseason. Yeah, it has. Uh, and again, I know that's part of the deal in Milwaukee. I agree. I would have picked them to beat the Celtics had they had Chris Middleton, but they benefited from injuries last year and were healthy, and that's part of what makes a championship team. Uh, what we haven't talked about, and just to kind of get to the, before we get to the conference final, another injury, and I don't know what happened, but we haven't talked since the Suns legitimately flamed out. I mean, that might yeah. have been the weirdest thing ever. And again, I'm all for upsets, but that was probably the biggest no show that I can remember at home in a game seven. I don't know if you have anything that comes up to the top of your head, but that was shocking to say the least. They just laid down. It was odd. I mean, if you're on the road, maybe you can say, all right, you could possibly get blown out, but not if you're the number one overall seed at home. I don't know what happened to that team, but clearly there's something behind the scenes that we're going to find out later. Remember like the Lob City Clippers, how there was tension? Something's going on. DeAndre Ayton, I don't know if he's getting along with Monty Williams, and now he may be dealt if they're able to uh, sign him to a long-term deal. And then Chris Paul, is he hurt? Is he not hurt? He claimed he was hurt, but... He looked okay for the majority of the postseason, and then Booker obviously was hurt and then came back, and he looked okay. It's just it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. But then you look back and you say, all right, well, the Pelicans kind of gave the Suns a run for their money, so maybe the Suns team wasn't as good as we thought. But at the same time, the Suns were so good during the regular (laughs) season. It just doesn't make any sense. Yeah, I I hate to predict what will happen down the road, but it's very possible that this – was pretty much the chance like the window I don't want to say it's closed but this is their best chance and it's easy to make that case when you consider the age and miles on Chris Paul and the eight thing that you said that doesn't seem to be going anywhere in the right direction Uh, a lot of uncertainty for a Phoenix team that as you said was just utterly dominant for most of the year if not all the year in the regular season yeah I think you make a good point there that this very well could have been Chris Paul's last chance because he has been 
healthy for the majority of the last couple of years. I mean, there was a time in the postseason last year where he got hurt, but he was healthy for the, almost all the regular season, if not the entire regular season. This year he missed some time, but he came back just in time for the postseason. And, I mean, he's going to start to wear down. He, he's already starting to show some signs of it. And you look at guys like LeBron James that came in the league around the same time, and they're starting to wear down too. And you, the later you get in your career, these chances don't really come up very often. And that's why you look at a team even like the Boston Celtics and yeah. you see Brown and Tatum and how good they were early on. And they weren't really expected to do much in their first few years. And now here they are. And they have a golden opportunity where there are a lot of teams that are down or injured. I mean, you look at, yeah. you look at the Heat with, with Tyler Hero. And so you look at the Bucks that are going to be there. You look at the Nets that will probably be there. You look at even the Western Conference and you see the Clippers. You see the Pelicans that if they get Zion back. And the Warriors. It's just all these teams are just going to get better and better. So if you're the Celtics, man, this is your chance. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, you can never really, you know, you, you can't overestimate or underestimate the age versus youth situation. Chris Paul, LeBron, two guys you mentioned, you know, greatest players that we've seen, some of them, and they're top, I think, five or six oldest guys in the league right now. So, I mean, it's they just have been playing so much basketball. I think the Celtics, and we can start there, you know, they win a, a, a strange, to say the least, series against the Miami Heat, and, and I'll start with this. I think they deserve some credit in a how they were able to keep the team together, keep that core Tatum Brown, and not you know fall into that line of thinking of blowing it up, but also make those adjustments mid season to where this was the team that was almost viewed out as an afterthought contender. Brandon, as far back as I think December or January, second half of the season they played lights out and and really had to win some gritty games on the road this postseason. I know it wasn't all pretty. We can talk about the injuries or just some bad plays down the stretch in some certain games, but they overcame adversity, I think, as good as any team in the NBA this year. Yeah, and you know what's funny is that when you get to the postseason, you don't really need depth. And so with the Celtics, and you look at their starting lineup, and it's a really good starting five. And Marcus Smart has had a nice year. He won Defensive Player of the Year. Robert Williams has took an incredible leap forward, which he started to show towards the end of last year when he actually got playing time. I mean, he was only playing 15 minutes or so, then finally got playing time and became a machine. And then all of a sudden, you trade for Derek White at the deadline. White was right there with Deontay Murray as a pretty solid backcourt with the Spurs. And I think he was kind of an underrated pickup. I like him a lot. I'm a fantasy basketball guy. Derek White's a solid top 50 dude that just contributes everywhere. He does it defensively. He's a rare guard that contributes and gets you steals and blocks, which means he's going to be there to help defensively. And also he can shoot the ball a little bit. And he backs up Smart. And with the injury to Smart, it's a massive hole that they would have had if they didn't uh, trade for White because they would have had to rely on Peyton Pritchard. And so they end up getting White and they go seven strong. And that's really all you need in the postseason. Maybe one or two other guys that will contribute five to ten minutes. But you need to ride your stars. And in this case, that's obviously Tatum and Brown. And those two guys have been sensational. And Tatum is right now a top five guy in the NBA, top 10. Mm-hmm. He is. Uh, and with that comes a lot of expectation, comes you know, different levels of how the defense treats you. It's not all going to be gravy, much is you know, given, much is expected to someone who's that talented. I think he's handled it well, and I do think that the Celtics have proven that they're able to roll with the punches because I got to tell you, I, I, I was – not expecting at all. I mean, the biggest upset to me was them losing that game six at home against Miami. I thought that series was dead to rights how game five went. You mentioned the injury situation. That was a funky game, one that the Celtics clawed back in and then couldn't get it done. But that was Jimmy Butler at his finest. And I and I think going into game seven, and we can talk about the final possession, Brandon, but I just think that it came down to the Heat did not have enough players. Sounds so cliche and simple, but that couldn't score. They just didn't have enough players that were healthy that could score. Jimmy Butler was doing all that he could, and it just was not meant to be. Exactly, and that goes back to just what I was talking about. Having Boston had seven guys and a very good starting lineup, you look at the Heat, and it's Jimmy Butler, it's Bam, and with no Tyler Hero, you don't really have a whole lot. You're relying a lot on Gabe Vincent, which is not, I think, what the Heat expected Mm -hmm. coming into (laughs) postseason. 
And so there just wasn't much there when it came to scoring the basketball. And when you can't get that late bucket and you're relying on one guy who, by the way, has had to play 46 minutes in game six and then 48 minutes in game yeah. seven, I mean, at some point, you don't blame him for taking that three to try and go for the win. It's a lot of minutes underneath somebody. So it's. I was shocked that Miami made it this far, honestly. Their defense is good, and it just tells you how damn good of a coach Eric Spolstra mm-hmm. is. Um, and also, has there ever been a guy in Bam, like a guy like Bam Adebayo, who is a really good player that just seems to escape scrutiny like he does? I mean, it, it just is seems- weird, right? Because we were kind of killing Aiton, what, the last couple years? And I just thought yeah. about him during that because yeah. he doesn't, like, this was the time, right? Show up, provide some offense, be the yeah. aggressive guy. He's a very, he's a good player, he's athletic. Uh, but I don't know if it's a confidence thing or reliability thing, but I agree with you there. Uh, in in hindsight, I just think the Heat sees. I mean, they got to Game Seven of the Eastern Conference Finals, so I can't. You know, did they overachieve? Probably, but you know, that's a that's a damn good year for most teams. So um, it's just it's funny to see. But no, props to the Celtics for uh, for getting to the final where they'll meet Brandon, the uh, Golden State Warriors, who are back again, six time in eight years. That's pretty rarefied air to get there. And uh, under Steve Kerr, when they make the playoffs, the actual playoffs are undefeated. So that's 18-0 and 0 in series. And you talk about starting fives and ha- not needing a ton of depth and riding your starting five. And Curry, Clay, Draymond, Wiggins, Looney. I mean, that's a really good starting five. And then you have Jordan Poole, who's been sensational. And you get back Gary Payton Jr. possibly for game one. And you bring up some random guy off the bench, whether it be Bielitsa or Kaminga. And the Warriors are a team that matches up very well with Boston and vice versa. I mean, it's two teams that are similar. And the only thing is it's the guards, really, for Golden State. And it's more of the shooting guard small forward uh, for Boston. It's it's going to be Brown and Tatum versus Clay and Steph and... You have Wiggins versus Smart. You have Draymond versus Al Horford. I mean, it's it's a lot of it's different series. Yeah, that match up well with each other and should be a lot of fun. So I, I had some thoughts on this series, and I, and I wanted to get your take before we kind of predict it. I think the lineups and who's going to be on the court, the uh, chess match between Udoka and Kerr, and Kerr are going to yeah. be fascinating. You know, I feel like Looney's going to have to play Horford. Al Horford, who's been, you know, having a renaissance. He had some blips there, but... You know, which team will go size more frequently? How how will they monitor that? And also, you know, with the Celtics, you mentioned it's, you know, their, their guard-small forward combo is tough to beat. But the question of, and I know Smart's injury thing, but do, not having a true true un, true point guard, is that going to hurt them in this series? It's it's fascinating, too, because Golden State, I mean, Clay's been good, hasn't been, you know, that, that self of his past. Jordan Poole off the bench, if they can go there, and, and how many shots... Brandon, will Draymond Green be left wide open with? I'm just, I'm very fascinated to see the first couple games of this one. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring up Clay because you look at that game against the Mavs, the closeout game, and he hit eight threes. And it really seems like Clay's going to probably be the most important player on Golden State. I've heard a lot of people talk about Wiggins and how he could possibly be the X factor because he could be really solid defensively, contribute a lot offensively. But for me, it feels like it's going to be Clay. If Clay has a bad game, it just feels like that'll be a lot of stress to put on Steph Curry because Looney and Draymond are not going to be relied on to do much offensively. And you look at Wiggins, and of course, yeah, he's there and Poole is there. But Clay's going to need to do something because if he doesn't, mm-hmm. then how many minutes are you going to play him if he's struggling defense? If he's struggling offensively, because you're going to want to bring in Jordan Poole. It just seems like Clay is going to be important to do something because smart's going to be guarding Steph. And so can clay help out Steph? Yeah. And I feel like that's going to be something I'm watching. What about the other side of the ball too, clay on defense? Cause I think that's the part of him in the past that we took, I mean, not you and I, but we collectively took for granted just how elite he was on that end of the court and how he's going up against a team with two legit threats. And it seems like from, people that have been talking and following the Warriors that he's not quite there defensively mm-hmm. to where he was before, but he's gotten a lot of rest, which is certainly going to help uh, before game one. And speaking of rest, 
these players are going to get a ton of rest the entire NBA Finals because I think there's three game three days between games for every single game except for one that has a two day two day break or it's actually a one day break. But you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Work. Yeah. I think it's a Thursday then Sunday from game one to game two, and it's like that basically the rest of the um, finals. I just feel like. You're going to need a lot of team defense if you're Golden State. You're going to need Draymond. You're going to need Wiggins. This is a team that's going to be able to switch with Golden State. I mean, you wonder, what's Golden State going to do against Jason Tatum? Is it going to be Draymond Green? If so, that's going to mean Al Horford is going to be guarded by a guy like Wiggins, maybe, because Looney will be guarding Robert Williams if Mm -hmm. he's even healthy. It's going to be a chess match between two coaches and give credit, by the way, to Ime Adoka for getting Boston to this point. But it just feels like Kerr's been here and Steph's been here, and that's why Golden State seems like they'll off the edge. Steph's gotten a lot better defensively, too. want to give him credit for what he's done. And uh, I'm glad you brought up Wiggins because what he's done has been remarkable. Look, this is another this is another one of my pet peeves. Uh, not the biggest one. I definitely have bigger ones. But John Morant winning most improved player. I wouldn't give that award to someone who's played in the league less than like five years. Yeah, it just feels like also he was already really good. That's what I'm like. If a, like, I think CJ McCollum won in the past. Like, I think it should be somebody that's made improvements. You know, I'm I'm saying five. It's an arbitrary number, but you know what I mean. Like John Morant winning it when he keeps progressing naturally. Like, I don't. That just, I don't know, someone like Wiggins just came to mind because, you know, someone that kind of blossoms a little later or finds their role on a different team, I think, could be a better option. But, you know, props the to him. The key thing sure. is that Wiggins was doing well numbers-wise before he got to Golden State. It's just yeah. he's doing it way more efficiently mm-hmm. because he's not needing to be the guy. And, I mean, you talk about Morant. It's like Morant was putting up those numbers in the postseason last year. You can't be most improved already putting up those numbers in the postseason last year and expected to be – the guy so that's another conversation but yeah Wiggins has been great and I mean Kevin Looney's been great he's mm-hmm. been a machine in the postseason um at Golden State doesn't go very deep though and so especially at the big positions you have Draymond and Looney apart from that there's not a whole lot there so it'll be interesting to see what Boston does to try and exploit that and how often both teams go small well time's come how do you see this going and uh I should also say the uh, worst possible series for Laker fans who hate the no-cal Warriors coming up on their throne of being a legit maybe dynasty with the win here and uh, the hated Boston Celtics. But that said, how do you see the series going? Well, if you look at the two guys we talked about, Boston, Brown and Tatum, and you feel like Curry and Thompson can help slow down Brown, and then you have Draymond and Wiggins that have been good defensively against Tatum, it just feels like Golden State is a little more offensively than um, Boston does, and because of that, I'll take Golden State in seven. I'm going with Golden State in six, uh, and I'm saying that because of a lot of what you said, but also I don't think you can have one minute, one half a quarter, one possession brain farts like the Celtics have had against yeah. a Golden State-like team. I just yeah. I see this as an inconsistency or just lapse situation where Golden State you know will make you pay and you know Steve Kerr and company will will spot that as well so uh, I mean I could be dead wrong on this one Tate wins this fight I mean there's a lot at stake here for obvious reasons legacy of these Golden State guys getting back here winning another title after all that's happened would be insane that said if Tatum is the finals MVP and wins a ring he's vaulted up another level so it's an exciting one it's a fun it's a fun series for basketball people to break down the action on the court as well yeah, and I feel like we're still due for one of the monster three-point games from Steph. The most threes he's hit in the postseason, I think, so far is six. And so he's due, I feel like, for one of those seven or eight or nine when he gets super hot and he's tough to contain. But at the same time, Boston's been tremendous defensively. So I don't know if they'll be able – I don't know if Steph's going to be able to go off like that. But it just feels like he's due for one of those games. You mentioned you fall asleep for a minute or two, and if, let's say, Marcus Smart gets into foul trouble, Marcus Smart is injured. I mean, yeah. we don't know what the deal is with Marcus Smart no. and Robert Williams because Robert Williams was not good in Game 7. And if mm-hmm. he's not healthy, then I think Boston's in major trouble because that allows a guy like Draymond Green that to help out a little more defensively with other guys and same with Looney. 
I'm so glad it's not Marcus Smart and Kyle Lowry anymore. It's only one guy that just throws their body onto the floor, and hopefully that doesn't happen too much. But, uh, yeah, that, that's the one thing I'm not looking forward to is just Smart failing his arms and legs around. Yeah, I'm with you. It, it, it was – man, that guy almost single-handedly torpedoed their season, I think. <laughs> that would have been bad. That would have been an all-timer. It was miss after miss after miss at the end of that game crazy well we'll see finals should be good uh brandon marcus pleasure chatting with you here i will give you time to kind of you know bask a little bit in your angel glory although unfortunately and there's no glory you. don't even say glory <laughs> they're, they're, they I think they've lost now nine of 12 this no was i told you this was coming the all right yeah the problem is it's it's and this is where i'll agree with you it's those freaking astros coming up i mean gosh that's where i, I would i mean i rib you a little bit about the angels but i would I would pay money for the Angels to win over the over the Astros any day of the week. Yeah, but it, as much as it's the Astros, it's the Angels are just reliant on three or four guys offensively. I mean, you look at Trout, Otani, and Ward, and after that, there's I mean, there's not a whole lot that has been producing this season. And then you look at Thor going give up five runs and two and a third today against the Yankees, and it's mm-hmm. it's just. Pitching is Reed Detmers throws a no hitter and then he's been very mediocre at best. It just feels like they're an average baseball team, unfortunately. And I don't know if they have the prospects to trade for something at the deadline, but with the expanded playoffs, they should get in as a wild card. That's what I mean. That's why I was saying, like, get in as a wild card, make it happen from there. You're not, it's not like a woe is me season like Cleveland's having, kind of. I mean, but also. Angels bullpen was supposed to be good, mm-hmm. and it was early on. It's been awful recently, but yes, they should be decent and not waste Otani and Trout. But man, they're one Otani or Trout injury away mm-hmm. from being a dumpster fire. So, well, there's too much New York success recently, so I need I need somebody to stop the Yankees from keeping that going because they've looked really good, and it's not fun to watch from our perspective. Yeah, I'm with you there. I am very much with you there. I don't hate the Mets as much, but the no. Yankees are just a team that no. And the, the Mets without Scherzer and DeGrom, too, which is scary as hell. Frightening. Uh, Brandon Marcus, thanks for coming on the show. We'll see how the finals uh, shapes out. But thanks for talking hoops on the Money Mitch Effect. Mitch, it's been a blast. That's it for today's episode of the Money Mitch Effect. Thank you, as always, to the guests, Joe Crisali and Brandon Marcus, for taking time to appear on the show. Thanks to everybody out there for listening. A reminder that you can catch every episode of this podcast, the Money Mitch Effect, on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Google Play. You can leave a rating, subscribe, and leave a review on any of your favorite podcast platforms. And uh, check out the Money Mitch Effect Facebook page for some exclusive content there. And follow me on Twitter at MoneyMitchM21. We'll be back next week, give you a hockey update, probably some finals talk there, some baseball. We're into June, but there's still so much on the sports calendar. And shout out to Rafael Nadal for winning an epic match against Novak Djokovic in the French Open quarterfinals as well, as he goes for his record 14th Grand Slam title at the French Open and 22nd overall. Truly remarkable stuff yesterday. For Brandon Marcus and Joe Crisali, I am Mitch Michaels. Thank you for listening to The Money Mitch Effect. Keep enjoying sports.